Welcome one and all to episode 174 of the original Draft Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, we are into the bowl season. And if you are not subscribed, yes, we're hitting you up early. If you are not subscribed to the Patreon, <laughs> you are uh, you're missing out big time because, well, we have previewed every bowl game and giving you some prospects to know in every single bowl game and that's you know that's all you can ask for from uh from any site especially one with uh two guys that are doing it so uh give us a give us a follow on patreon two dollars a month gets you all our extra podcasts and four dollars a month gets you all the articles but tell you what Right now, if you sign up the $2 a month, you get all the articles as well. So it's a good time to get signed up, take advantage of all the free um, articles each and every day. Every day there's a bowl game, you will get an article previewing said bowl game with the prospects to know. So, And yeah, just to clarify, we're talking about all of this year's bowl previews. So the way we're we're setting it up, is if you sign up now for the $2 tier, you're getting every bowl preview for the 2022 bowl season, which pertains to the 2023 draft. Um, one of the reasons we're doing that is this is going to be our last free show of the year. <clears throat> we're going to um, do show tonight. We're going to talk about some um, some underclassmen that are, and uh, I guess some s- semi-seniors that are getting into the draft. And then um, we're going to take a holiday break, as most of you are as well from listening to us as, as we celebrate Christmas and New Year, and we'll return uh, for podcasting on January 9th. But in the meantime, if you want to preview all these bowl games, that's going to be available on the $2 tier, which we call Elite. So who doesn't want to be Elite? That's right, especially this time of year. So the bowls have really, you know taking up a lot and we've seen a lot of good things we're going to break down some of the standouts guys that we hit before and and some guys we may have missed um and that's in the extra podcast this week so make sure you tune in but to get started we're getting the influx of guys declaring and it's kind of the opposite of past years right like the past couple of years it's been who has not declared or guys that are not entering the draft and this year it seems like we're getting more surprise guys entering i know we've got a couple big names that went back uh biggest of all is probably Keishon Boutte. um and we've got we're gonna talk about a couple of the other guys that are coming back later but one one big one that we just found out about yesterday we'll circle back to that but i think what you know one of what you're alluding to too is that there are guys right now, they're saying they're declaring but still playing in the bowl and other guys that are skipping the bowl, as we expect. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, it's really interesting because we're doing these previews too. And, and for instance, uh, it was... Um, McBride from yeah, UAB, the yeah, running back. Dwayne decided. McBride. Yeah, decided at the last minute he wasn't going to play. Right. Even though every preview you look at, including ours, ours is the guy to watch is Dwayne McBride. He was going to, you know, really determine the outcome of that game. And so, um, 
You know, it's just our UAB one anyway. Yeah, I know, right? It didn't hurt them <laughs> anyways. But so when you look at it, you've got a couple big names that declared just uh, the last day or two. Today, we're recording on Monday the 19th. And just the last day or two, these guys have declared, and that's Bijan Robinson. Not a surprise. Um, I think everybody assumed he was going to come out. And he will be skipping the bowl. Yeah, and he's rightfully so. I mean, no reason at this point to potentially have a Jalen Smith type of injury before. Because, I mean, he's being talked about. And this will, I, I, you know what? We'll just, <laughs> I'll just do the hot take now because I don't know if you saw this. Okay, yeah. All right, so. We'll, we'll go out of order. We'll do hot take right now. So. A friend of ours, a guy that we follow, Brian Perez. Um, Brian Perez, much respect. The guy who gave us our seat in the Draft Breakdown podcast way back in the day. The original. We're the original Draft Breakdown podcast, but the original, original Draft Breakdown podcast. Brian Perez gave us our shot there. That's right. And he had a hot take today. Um He's an analyst, still does a lot of stuff with the Chicago Bears. Uh, At the Bears talk, I I, I quite frankly don't know who that is through, but it's a huge site. I mean, they have 30,000 followers on Twitter, um, and he's the managing editor of it. He tweeted out literally today, what if Bijan is the apple of Paul's eye? A do it all elite offensive weapon next to Justin Fields. Spend free agent money on O line and edge rushers, trade down a few spots, and land this dude. I get running back value argument, but some guys are just different. So he's advocating bypassing Will Anderson, who you and I probably will have as the top guy in the draft. Um, maybe trading down to five or six right there and and picking up another, what, day two pick or something in that range, depending on what somebody's trading up for, uh, and and taking a running back. And and we're big B. John Robinson fans, don't – so I I don't know what you make of this. And I I love B. John Robinson. I think he would work great with Justin Fields. But I feel like running back is the furthest thing away from the Bears issues right now with, with the guys they got between David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert. And yes, Bijan Robinson is going to be better than both of them, but there I feel like there's other other issues to go after right there. So I first of all I think Brian probably agrees with you <clears throat> that there are bigger fish to fry as far as Bears draft needs. But playing devil's advocate and just like let me dive into this. Let me jump in on the hot take side of this. David Montgomery's a free agent, and uh, Khalil Herbert is uh, going to be coming back from a, a season-ending injury, a season-ending leg injury, no less. And this kind of gives me flashbacks to when uh, Cleveland had the first overall pick and the fourth overall pick in 2018, and I envisioned an offense where you could draft Saquon Barkley and Lamar Jackson in the top four. I knew that they would both be there in the top four. Turns out they were. Lamar Jackson went much later, uh, 32nd overall, I think. So can you imagine that kind of running attack where you have this dynamic run threat quarterback and this incredibly dynamic 
running back who's also a good pass catcher as well. That gives you so it, it really makes the defense pick their poison. So I I love this take. This is uh it, it it's a hot take in football Twitter land because <laughs> football Twitter hates running backs, but uh to me I love this take because I would love to see something like that as a draftnik as a fan. That would be incredible to see that kind of pairing. And I don't think we're going to get to see it this year, just as we didn't get to see it in 2018. But it's really fun to think about. And um, yeah, they're not going to, the Bears aren't going to draft uh, Bijan Robinson that high with the guys that you mentioned up on the table. And, you know, I think the organization probably feels like, I mean, look, Justin Fields might break the quarterback rushing record this year. So, how important is it to have <clears throat> for uh, Ryan Poles to have a dynamic? running back as well when they have virtually no receivers, especially with Mooney coming now, who's going to be coming off an injury too. So, um, but I like this take, this is fun. And uh, that's why we love Brian Perez because he kind of thinks uh, that's probably why he brought us on at draft breakdown. Cause maybe we think alike a little bit. Well, and it's just, yeah, it's just crazy to, to think about that and, Look at that possibility, and and you know, but let's piggyback off that too, too, because we're we're talking about the guys that just declared. Robinson, of course, is the guy he brought first. So fifteen hundred and eighty yards rushing, six point one yards a carry, eighteen rushing TDs, and he had nineteen catches for three hundred fourteen yards. So great production. But where do where does he rank with Barkley and Jonathan Taylor? as a prospect because to me that's that's the question he's in that tier but where is he in that tier is he first second or third you know it'll it's tough i think he'd probably be third right now in that tier but i think it's partially because of of how they used him at texas you look at his sophomore year for instance and and I mean, hell, you look at this year, he's never had 300 touches in a season. And Whereas Jonathan Taylor was there for three years and had 6,000 yards. Right, and and he, you know, he was averaging over 300 carries a season. Uh, Saquon had, you know, 202 touches his freshman year and then 300 touches his sophomore year. And so looking at and, their And you're not even counting the kick returns, right? Uh no, this is rushing and receiving right. only. And then and then you look at their junior years, they're almost like mirror images of one another. You have 271 total touches for for Saquon for 1903 yards and 21 touchdowns. You look at at Bijan, he had 277 touches for 1,894 yards and 20 touchdowns. Like, those are nearly identical, I mean, numbers. And then, like you said, Jonathan Taylor was just kind of in his own world with with usage. Like, it was was a little absurd. I mean... He would have easily broken the NCAA rushing record, the FBS rushing record, had he come back for a fourth year like Ron Dane did or right. Uh, like I mean, Ricky but you, you, you look at it, his freshman year, he had more touches in his freshman year than either of those guys did ever in their career. I mean, he had 307 touches 
315 touches and 346 touches. I mean, that's that's just like an absurd usage. And and so that's I think the one thing that makes Saquon or sorry, Bijan a little difficult is that you're just the one thing I'll say in Bijan's favor though is he looks like he's made out of rubber and you've had injury problems for both now with Saquon Barkley and Jonathan Taylor over the last couple of years. And but I will say looking back at them, they were very durable in college as well. They were and 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 that's the thing is you know you look at it, they're all kind of like you said, alphas more than anything else. And so when you look at it from that perspective, they're guys that they're guys that, yeah, you you rank them highly, you know, regardless of position. And and we've seen that that works out in the NFL. I just don't I mean, that's and like you said, Brian acknowledges that it's just an odd situation for me to see like, hey, let's take a running back. And it's like it's like the needs of that team are that's not where the needs lie heaviest, but no, absolutely not. But I'd like the creativity of the take too, because probably the biggest need, if you're talking about an offense is receiver and O line. But also if, is there a receiver that's as good of a prospect in this draft as B. John Robinson? Is there an offensive lineman? That's as good of a prospect as B. John Robinson. Is there a quarterback? I mean, yeah. And, and you look back, uh, Jonathan Taylor, I had, I think I had him ranked fourth overall in that class. Saquon Barkley, I think I had him ranked uh, first or second overall in that class. So I was, I'm, I'm still a guy that goes high on running backs because I, I want to see, you know, I, I think these guys are great players, and it turns out they can be, and they can really take over a game. Um, position value be damned so you know Bijan's probably going to be up, up there for me I've said that on the show before um, yeah I think he'll end up being a top 10 prospect and when it's all be. said and done he yeah. might be a top five prospect in this class which I mean I don't I personally don't think there's a receiver that I would put ahead of him this year um, if they want to get go offensive line maybe you got Paris Johnson or Skronsky someone like that but I still I think Bijan's going to He's he's a big guy. He's productive. He's going to test well. I don't think he's going to test quite as well as these other two guys that we're talking about. But I think he's going to be right. And that there. and that might be what separates him from as a true prospect. Mm-hmm. Is we have to remember too, Saquon and and Taylor tested as not just elite running back, but like elite athletes. track stars. Yeah, <laughs> like they were. Yeah. The other big one. And I guess while we're playing the game, we'll just get the hot take on this guy too. Okay. Um, but you can start talking about it while I pull it up. Is is Max Dugan? Yeah, Max um, Dugan is. He, and, he's going to play in the bowl game. Obviously, they're in the playoffs. And so you it was and interesting I to me that he declared already. Yeah, and you and I had talked about this. Yeah. When we talked about the TCU prospects to know, because every prospect we talked about was basically a junior or redshirt junior that had another year of eligibility. And we basically said, I guess it's just going to depend on what Max Dugan does. And, and when you look at that, 
Yeah, you're um, right. You're going to see a, a waterfall now, an avalanche. Quentin Quint Johnston, I think we already thought it's going to. Now you're going to see Kendra Miller and, and yeah, a bunch of other guys. Um, you know, and, and Matt Miller at, at NFL Draft Scout on, on Twitter, is, you know, he's with ESPN now. I, you know, I want to get your take because my, I'll give you my take after. I respect every player's decision to enter the NFL draft, but Max Dugan feels like a guy who could have really benefited from returning to TCU as a Heisman finalist and cleaning up on the NIL circuit. Obviously, you know, you and I talk about this in our in our text group, um, the the NIL and how it's changing things, you know, that and the transfer portal just basically – you know, rearranging college football every year. Um, That being said, this feels, and I I don't want this to get crossed, but this feels like what Cardell Jones should have done after his playoff run in 2014, right? Like kind of strike while the iron's hot. He is, he's going to be at the senior bowl. He's already, you know, accepted an invitation. Um, and, and it just feels like he's just trying to get, you know, and maybe it's the draft class as well that we've talked about, right? That he's just trying to get into the picture of a year where there's not an alpha quarterback. And this might be a better chance for him to, to find a way to get drafted in that in that early day two range. You took the words out of my mouth. I texted that to someone earlier today. I said, strike while the iron's hot. Max, Dug- Max Duggan is um, a guy who started the season as the backup at TCU. He's completed 65% of his passes, nine yards per attempt, 30 touchdowns, four picks. And he has that... We've talked about his running ability. He's a he's a four five guy, or at least four five five. Like he was a, a sprinter. He was a track guy in high school. And so he's got the twenty-five rushing touchdowns. You saw him take over the Big Twelve championship game with his legs late in the game to bring TCU back. They still lost in overtime. But I think this is a sharp play by him because TCU is not likely, you know, statistically, they're not likely to get back into a position where they're going to be a playoff team. He's graduated. He's going to be a playoff quarterback. Win or lose, people are going to respect the fact that TCU got there in the first place. And now you've got the Senior Bowl invite and acceptance. And even if he doesn't end up playing there, he's going to have the pedigree because he was a playoff quarterback. He's going to have kind of the built-in excuse of having played that long of a season and not actually having to play. I think it will benefit him to play if he's healthy. And I think he probably intends to. Um, and and that's the thing. The, the thing that's working against him is his size because he's going to measure up like Matt Corral last year. And we saw Corral, uh, great example of a guy who, you know, wanted to play in, in the bowl game, even though he probably didn't have to. And he ends up getting hurt, and it ruins his whole draft season. But he still goes in the third round. <clears throat> I kind of think that's Max Duggan's ceiling is is like Matt Corral range, which would be late second, 
early third round. I guess Corral went. Uh, yeah, he was still late pretty third early. round. Yeah, he was Wasn't late he still third pretty, round. Oh, okay. So yeah, that's kind of the range where I see but, Duggan, and and to get into that second round, he's going to have to really perform highly in the playoff and at the Senior Bowl. And the the thing he's got an advantage of over Corral is he's actually got more foot speed. Even if well, Corral had tested, he wouldn't have been a four or five guy. Well, let me ask you this. I was looking at it. So you, you brought up Corral. Um, you know, you, you look at, obviously, there's, you know, different names, but Corral and Ritter this year, right? Ritter or Ritter and Corral. Right. Um, last year, Kyle Trask went in the second round. Kellen Mond went and Davis Mills went early in the third round. Duggan's this was 2020, better, right? 2021, yeah. 2021. He, D- Duggan's better than all of those guys, wouldn't you say? A better prospect coming out? Uh, yeah, he's he's a better prospect. Um, come, you know, some people would probably argue with you on that, though. Uh, at least with Davis Mills, uh, I I would say Duggan is over Davis Mills, but um, but again, like I think there there is a recency bias with Max Duggan, and that's working in his favor right now, because you you could go back earlier in the season. He, again, he wasn't the starter. Uh, Sonny Dykes didn't name him the starter. Now, he's going to get points from scouts that he was a, a good team guy and that he accepted that and stayed and grinded it out. But now, remember, this is a guy who got beat out for the job. He This is par- probably partially why he's declaring right now. And uh, also, like you said, um, this is a quarterback class that might, be a little bit thinner and that might play to his advantage. So I think this is a savvy move by Duggan and that's, I mean, that's probably where his head is at. I I think, I don't even think TCU thinks they could beat Michigan to be honest with you. Uh, Most people, most uh, pundits don't think so. So anything he does from now on is gravy and I think this is just a savvy move by him. He gets into the Senior Bowl, especially because one of the guys we're going to talk about later isn't going to be in it. And now we we have an, a clear opening, and uh, it's just a good opportunity for him. Guys, we haven't talked about as much, but or have declared uh, Tank Bigsby. Were you? I mean, I feel like we kind of saw him leaving. No surprise at all with Bigsby. Uh, 970 yards, five, almost five and a half a carry, 10 touchdowns. He had 30 catches, but no receiving touchdowns. But you know he can catch the ball. He had some big plays. And I think he showed more speed than I probably thought he had, which is where you know sometimes that GPS tracking speed comes in handier than what you see from the timed 40s. Um, we expect this guy's probably going to be a four or five guy, but he also is a bruiser in terms of running style. And there's no no surprise that he came out. We just haven't really talked about him this year. He was a high recruit, and um, he's an aggressive runner, kind of in the mold of like Javante Williams a couple of years ago with uh, North Carolina, I think. Next, we had uh, Emmanuel Forbes. Who, I like this guy a lot. Who decided to declare. Um, you know, Mississippi State has put out 
a lot of highly like top 100 cornerbacks over the last couple of years. Well, you look at Martin Emerson, who came out, he was a third round pick for Cleveland. He's having a fantastic rookie year. He's a little bit taller, bigger, and probably about the same speed that you're going to get from Forbes, but he, he just has a little bit more length. And you were a guy, you were high on Emerson from the get-go last year. Um, I kind of, he, he kind of grew on me and ended up being a guy I thought the Browns would target and uh, correctly. So, but Forbes is a little smaller, six foot 180. So he's thin, but I think he's still going to have plenty of length. And what you have is incredible ball hawk skills, six picks this year, nine pass breakups, three interception returns for touchdowns. And you extrapolate that across his entire career. Look, he had 14 picks, 19 pass breakups, six touchdowns in his career. I think he's going to run in the four five range because he ran in the four sevens about 30 pounds lighter, but he had a 40 inch vertical. Let me ask you, and I, I mean, I don't think it mattered, but did you do you think the the Mike Leach passing had anything to do with this? No, I think Forbes was was going to declare regardless. Yeah. Um, and in fact, I think you know, I, I really think the Mississippi State program is. I think they love their coach. I think that team's going to play hard in uh, in a bowl game, but it, it seems like. Forbes is probably not going to be part of that. They're in a bowl, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. I don't think I, I think Forbes is gonna skip it. Yeah, they're but... in the they're in the Relia Quest Bowl against Illinois, actually, so a good game. Yeah, I think Forbes is gonna skip it, but I think that, that team's gonna be way up for that game. Yeah, that's a man. What a what a loss for college football. Unfortunate. Very. Like, I mean, obviously, like a like charismatic figure, and by all accounts, like a great coach. And you are a bigger X's and O's guy than I than I am. But clearly, even if you don't study the X's and O's, you know how much influence Mike Leach had over, you know, the coaching tree that he had. <laughs> like the, the just the. The coaches that have had success that were influenced by him, clearly a, a bigger-than-life figure. I remember him when I was a kid coaching Texas Tech and uh, all the pirate stuff. and all. It, Just a very entertaining guy, big loss. Uh, next is Wisconsin outside linebacker Nick Herberg. Um, not – I don't think this is that big of a surprise, although Wisconsin guys typically stay for a while. Um, They've but, had linebackers come out. and I, it's, I think it's her big, but if if you're playing the Seth pronunciation game, you got a shot there. Yeah. Uh, I here's He's my Nate Herbig's brother, right? The quarterback? I believe so. And yeah. here's my thing, though. This dude is sub 230 pounds. Yeah. It, he as an edge rusher. I mean, we talked about Will Anderson being a little undersized. Herbig is fifteen twenty pounds lighter than than Anderson. We um, have the convenient fact of having a similar size weight 
prospect coming out of Wisconsin just a couple of years ago in Zach Bond, who was a guy who put up pass rush numbers. He ends up being a, what, a third round pick for the Saints. Hasn't really been productive in, in, in terms of pass rush. So Herbig, to me, I mean, there was a lot of talk when T.J. Watt came out. Was he going to be able to translate his college pass rush to pro? Clearly, that's been answered. But he's a lot bigger. Um, with Herbig, you've got a situation where it's more like Zach Bond, and that hasn't necessarily amounted to uh, you know the pass rush that you you don't see that pass rush from college projecting to the pros. I personally I liked Leo Chanel or Leo Chanel who came out last year. I think he was a better prospect. Um, I don't think Herbig's even as athletic as Bond. He's definitely to me not as athletic as as Leo Chanel. So uh, this is a, an interesting one to me because how undersized he is for what he his skill set is and what I think his athleticism is going to be. I, I just uh, don't think he's going to go as high as either even uh, Zach Bond or Leo Chanel, honestly. Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing with – we've seen these guys um, have to, you know, come out, be a little bit undersized. They still get drafted fairly well. Um, but, but do you Chanel, think he's going to get drafted as high as, I mean, these guys, but Bond and Chanel, they both went in the third round is her big. I don't think if you look at his athletic testing from when he was in high school, it's not going to project to the same level as these guys. Do you think he's even going to go third round? Um, man, if he comes in at two thirty five, I think he could, which is realistic. I mean, you're talking 10 pounds. I also think he's got to run like in the four fives, uh, low I mean, four sixes. If he's that light, he's got to run under four seven at least. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I think he's going to, I just I think he might what, be in, ended up being a day, uh, early day, early, three pick. early day, three pick. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to say. This is a, I think this is the most surprising one. To he's me. got great production, but, and he can close, but, He's not going to just win as an edge rusher. And then you have to, you know, worry about, is he going to cover better? Is he going to cover better when he wasn't asked to do that at Wisconsin? And another guy, Penn State's Parker Washington. We've talked about Washington before. He's built more similar to a running back than a wide receiver at 5'10", 212 pounds. It kind of reminds me of another Washington a couple of years ago, James Washington, right? Yeah, and he's been okay. I mean, he was he more high cut than Parker. Like Parker's lower to the ground, more like Amari Rogers, who also <laughs> got cut from his first team. Yeah. What do you think about Parker Washington? We know he's productive. Um, he had a great game against Ohio State, for example. 46 catches, 611 yards, just two touchdowns this year, but 146 catches in his three-year Penn State career. He returned some punts, but not really anything dynamic back there. Is he even going to be a sub-4-5 guy? We know he was 4-5-7 in high school. 
I, I I see him as a low four or five guy. He might get to like a four four eight. Penn State can really juice him up, right? Yeah, figuratively. Yeah, exactly. And he's built a lot, like you said, like a, a lot like Amari Rogers, who's listed at five nine two ten. Mm-hmm. You know, Washington's five eleven two thirteen. So he's right in that range. Both those guys went pretty early. I mean, Washington went 60th overall. Rodgers went 85th overall. Uh, both had much better college production than um, than Parker Washington had. They weren't super sophomores, though. Yeah. They were seniors. They played um, at least four four years, right? He played three. Um, but, I mean, Washington was a freak when he was at Oklahoma state, those three years, man, or I mean, those four years, technically he and Rudolph were like putting up massive numbers. And and he just seemed better uh, to me, like going up and getting the contested catches. He was a little bit taller, little bit, not, not a lot. Um, But you see the Penn state receivers just continue to have major success. It's hard to bet against the Penn state receiver. I still think this guy, um, I get why he's declaring because he's going to he he can piggyback off the success of his predecessors, and he's put together a pretty good career on his own. I think he's going to be a good player. Um, but he he to me is strictly a slot guy, and you know the thing about we, we talked about Amari Rogers, he's a little bit taller than Amari Rogers, and he had earlier career success. If you want to go through, I mean, we're not going to, but if you want to go through all the underclassmen, uh, 24-7 Sports has all of the early entrants right now. Some of them are not early entrants. They're just, you know, ninth year juniors or whatever. <laughs> and, we, the, and we've seen guys literally coming back for an eighth year. And what there was a ninth year guy, wasn't there? Yeah, the, the, COVID, the Oregon. Yeah. yeah, the COVID years have really added a wrinkle to who can come and go. Um, I'll just ask you, though, who's your biggest surprise that's declared so far? Man, it's tough. It's tough um, because there's so many names. I'm kind of surprised by Jaden Hazelwood out of Arkansas Mm because he played so poorly this year. Um, That's one. Herbig, we talked about. I'm I'm surprised. I get why he's declaring, um, but I'm a little surprised. Zach Kuntz out of Old Dominion did not really play as well as as everybody was hoping he would. After he was, I think he's a fifth or sixth year guy, and you know he's a yeah fifth year guy. He's a former Penn State recruit. After putting up seventy three and seven hundred last year. And I, he only played in five games this year. He dealt with injuries, but he only put up twelve and one forty four this year, man. Like, that's he must huge... feel like he can test pretty well. Um, I mean, he's massive at six eight two forty five. You don't right. see, you don't see tight ends that big. Like he's a kind big of reminiscent guy. of uh, another Penn State guy, Jesse James, right? A little taller, even. Yeah, definitely. And then. Um, you know, those are a couple guys that really stand out mostly. I mean, I'm looking through the list real quick. 
Yeah, for me, um, you know, there's there were guys like Josh Downs from North Carolina. That's no surprise whatsoever. I agree with you. Hazelwood, who was a big five-star recruit at Oklahoma, didn't never took off there, went to Arkansas. We talked about how is he going to take uh, Traylon Burke's production. It That didn't happen. But he has just had enough of college, and I don't really blame him. I mean, it's, he played a full four years. Um, I look at Ohio State, Ronnie Hickman, a guy you spotlighted earlier in the year who I thought you were higher on him than I was. It wasn't a huge surprise that he he declared, but um, maybe that he declared so early. He still intends, obviously, to play in the playoffs. Um a lot of these guys are tough, too, because you look at it like a Tanner McKee, right? Yeah, Tanner McKee was a fourth-year sophomore. Right. He's listed as a redshirt sophomore, and he's technically a fifth-year sophomore because he, he was oh, in the 2018 wow. class. Yeah. So, like, that's the hardest part with some of these guys is that I think, like you said, uh, Hazelwood, he's, he's a true, like, senior, basically, right. age-wise. So he's going to go out he's um, on the correct schedule he's right. on the he's on the real graduation plan right so like these guys like dontavian wicks out of virginia he's he this is his fourth year like so he's mm-hmm. listed as a junior some of these guys are gonna have four degrees by the time they graduate yeah T- tavion thomas out of out of utah we talked about him the other night like it was surprising that he's going out, but it's not surprising he's going out because he's a six-year guy. I mean, or fifth-year guy. Like, he's a 2018 recruit. Right. Like, he's been around forever. So, like, the true kind of, that's why I said, the true kind of surprising ones to me are the 2020 guys that are only in their third year that ended up deciding they were going to go. We've talked about Anthony Richardson. I mean, again, going back to. Will Levis, too. Yeah. Yeah. Going well, just going back to like the the Dugan thing. Like, I think these guys are striking while the iron's hot. Where the while the class isn't that great. Um, and kind of going from there. So it'll be interesting to see who the guys um from the playoff teams jump because we know a lot of them are being projected very very highly. So depending on how these playoff teams go, you're gonna see a uh, a huge shift. In terms, you know, if these guys jump from Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, and TCU, they're going to jump up into the higher ends of the ranks. A lot of these guys are anyway. Real quick, Bo Nix is coming back. We alluded to that earlier. Bo Nix probably was, we predicted he was going to be a senior bowl hot, you know, hot prospect. Jim Nagy was going to go hard after him. And uh, instead, Bo Nix decides to go back for a second year at Oregon. Pretty cool decision. Um, we've joked a lot about the hot take a couple of years ago from Jordan Palmer uh, that said Bo Nix was going to be the number one pick in the Heisman. There's still a chance. <laughs> there's still a chance. Like two and a half years later, there's still a chance that Bo Nix uh, could be the 2023 Heisman winner, uh, 2024 number one overall pick. I wouldn't bet on it, but it is a possibility. He had a great year for Oregon. He joins guys like Michael Penix 
and a number of other seniors who went into the transfer portal, Devin Leary, Keaton Slovis, Sam Hartman, et cetera. But um, it's Knicks and Penix who are going back to the schools that they played for this year. So uh, me, that's big. Let me ask you something. He's going to be like number two on all, all the Heisman list next year, right? Like the early Heisman list? Yeah, it's going to be Caleb Williams, Bo Nix, isn't it? I, uh, isn't Quinn Ewers going to still be up there, or are they? I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, yes, but I, I really think people are going to like if Caleb Williams wasn't coming back, I would honestly think that Nix would go in as the favorite next year. Because, well, like, what his... I will say is, you and I will be in Vegas and. February and we'll be able to make super super early bets on this and and I'm sure we'll keep everyone informed. Right. Well, and you look at it, I mean this year 27 passing touchdowns and uh 14 rushing touchdowns. Like 41 touch total touchdowns is is a good good year. I mean He had at least two games where he had three rushing touchdowns and over 100 yards cuz I remember writing him up on the box score scouting articles um on patreon and so and they return almost all of their major weapons too that's the other thing don't so, let's not forget about marvin harrison jr he's definitely gonna be at the top of heisman and Bolitnikov list next year too yeah i mean the biggest thing for him is going to be who throws him the football right yeah it's it's, it's probably going to be kyle mccord but um you never know Ohio State could be cooking up uh a transfer portal guy too. Uh, I just don't think any of them are going to be better than uh, McCord, who will be in his third year there. Anyway, we already did the hot takes, so take us out. Yeah, thanks for listening. As always, guys, we'll be back later this week with another episode of the Original Draft Breakdown podcast. As we told you at the beginning, man, if you if you are not a Patreon subscriber, right now is the best time to do it. Uh, you're going to get every single. Uh, bowl game preview included in the two dollar a month um tier and then if you want to continue to get our weekly articles as, as draft season ramps up and we do them through the summer and and you know all through the year uh you know that's four dollars a month but for two dollars a month for the you know the bowl season so another two three weeks you will get all our um our written stuff as well um and as the, access as to podcast. every bonus uh podcast that we've ever done correct and so it's going to be what 85 now right or it's going to be it's going to be 85 and 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 you know give one to uh the person you dislike the most for for christmas (laughs) a nice little two dollar a month subscription so but we we appreciate you guys all listening we'll be back next week or we'll be back later this week with a bonus episode before we take our little holiday break have and we'll be back here on january 9th ish ish exactly (laughs) have a good night everybody good night and happy holidays merry christmas and happy new year we need to do an outro at some point that just something kind of what i hear in other shows is where they're like uh you know uh, subscribe and give us a five star review. Sign up for our Patreon. It's two dollars a month for our bonus episodes. Four dollars a month for all additional content. Something like that. Yeah, we should work on something like that. That could be it right a, there. A read. Yeah, that's it. Right there. So. <laughs>
Exactly. 